Register. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. My name is Caitlin. My name is John. And you know what? This time, I'm going to just go right into the thing we're supposed to do. (laughs) I was just thinking as we were starting up this time that, like, how have we never just thought of, like, writing a segue? Yeah, that would have been... We're both writers. We could have written a funny (laughs) segue bit every single week that was relevant to the episode we just watched to take it to the next thing. You're acting like we don't meticulously write this. You can't let them in. It is crazy how scripted this show is. It's so scripted. Not a single thing has been off the cuff. Absolutely wild. But like, obviously, we're just performers for the real John and Caitlin. Have you ever listened to a podcast that is like actually inherently like scripted? It is like very strange because it'll be like two people, and I'm speaking specifically about the Crime Junkie podcast. Okay. Just completely like subtweeting them. Was this one supposed to feel unscripted, but it was scripted? Kind of. It's not supposed to feel like completely like off the cuff. It's not like they're having like little banter, but like it'll be like, wow. Like, okay, what's a good example? It's like, and would you believe it? What? The police didn't even interview him. The police didn't even interview him? Yep. It's like literally like that so that they can keep like a conversation going so it's not just somebody like, you know, like info dumping at you. Right. But it is very, very funny. And it is also about murder, so it's not that funny. I'm not sure if I understand. So basically it's like... But is it supposed to feel like a murder podcast? It is a murder podcast. It's just scripted. So instead of it being like... Today we're going to talk about like the murder of so and so. Right, and they like have people around a table talking about the real life murder. Right, it's like a real murder. It's just that they script it, so it's like today we're talking about the murder of Madison Lacroix. I don't know if that's a real person. Oh, yeah, I think I've heard a couple podcasts like that. It's a great podcast. Don't get me wrong, but it is very funny because it's like I know that you only exist, other person, to ask questions. And oh, not... I guess I haven't listened to one where there's two people because like why yeah. would you? yeah i mean if it's scripted and we all know it's scripted and it's a murder podcast just have a host right yeah it's kind of a weird choice but i mean i like it so it must be working i have a question john okay and i know this is a scripted segment so you already know what it is right my question is from the audience and it is actually from somebody whose name is not caitlin but catlin which is how everyone misspells my name catlin asks do we think we are going to get the asexual jughead plot what do you think? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking it's leaning towards personally. Considering this episode wipes Vughead off the table For as no soon reason. as it, right as soon as it enters the conversation, I do agree that it kind of feels like they want to have some conversation about Jughead's sexuality, yeah, his sexual proclivities. When really the conversation is about his writing, uh, right? It's, right, it's bad. <laughs> okay i disagree every single one of these was like wow i should start writing like a ton of like horror short stories because they seem really fun and i actually have written horror short stories recently but i think the dirty little secret about riverdale has long (laughs) been that the shorter the experience the better the story yes the faster they can go through it the less time you have to sit down and think wait a second Uh, uh, The better it will turn out. And the goofier it is, the further you can keep reality from it, the more you'll just accept it and be happy. What was your favorite one? I did take a poll for our audience. I'll tell you what they liked afterwards. What was the second one? 
There is Cheryl is a leprosy victim. It's the Cheryl victim? one. The Cheryl yeah. one, because the second you put the, pull the hood up, you're like, hold on, what? Somebody. <laughs> it's the funniest one. Somebody else asked, did anybody else think that Nana Rose was going to be the one sneaking into Archie's bedroom? And that was, <laughs> that was actually exactly what I thought. I thought it was going to be like, oh, it's like he's being set up to believe that it's the young daughter from all the paintings, but that Nana Rose was going to be like, oh, no, I just do a great Cheryl voice. And actually, and that would be kind of weird. And I'm happy that that wasn't the thing. So, like, because it's the podcast, yeah. I watched the episode twice, once to just experience it, and right. the second time to take notes. And the first time, I don't think I quite clocked why anything happened the way it happened at the end of the Cheryl one, of, like, yeah. why, why is it, why is... Why was this a trap? And so the second time, once I took notes, I was like, oh, okay, so Nana meticulously does this. Right. This is my problem with the questions happening before we get into the episode. This is funnier when we're talking through the events of the episode. We can maybe arrange that. We have the technology to put it at the end. We could do that. I feel like it might make more sense for at least the questions where it's pertinent to the episode as opposed to it's pertinent to, like, the whole season. Well, it's more like we're... (laughs) Every question we're ever answering isn't only pertinent to the episode. It's all, It's usually a question about a game-changing reveal that happens in the episode Fair. and will relate to the rest of the season. And if it were those same questions but from the previous week, that would be excellent. Oh, yeah. We could just do that. Yeah. Guys, what if we did that? They can't answer. But they will answer on our Instagram stories, which is where I will post this. Great. <laughs> so, Don, like, who wrote this episode? It's not the order of events. Okay, well, I can tell you the title instead if you're not prepared. Let me bring it up. Okay. This is chapter 122, Tales in the Jugular so Vein. So many episodes, everyone. Thank you guys for being here. Ooh, Mr. Cipher is going to come up on this podcast? Hey. No? Okay, tell sorry. Tell me about the title of this episode. Well, the title of this episode is Tales in a jugular vein and i was like they definitely made this up turns out no they didn't however it's clear that um roberto or whoever named this episode is like a very like big fan of these kinds of short stories because it is a short story collection from robert block robert block is the author of psycho so not you know the alfred hitchcock movie it's based on a book he is the author of that And so I'm just going to read you some of the plots of the short stories in this thing. So, Night School. A student finds a mentor in the art of murder. Ooh. Yeah, it actually sounds very fun. Um, This is also just like... (laughs) Most of this was in Spanish for some reason on Goodreads. I think this was like a pretty deep cut of a collection. So this was like the English version. This is just like a bunch... This whole show has just been things Roberto likes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Which is how I would do it. So I understand that. Pinup Girl okay story about an extremely attractive woman who could marry a wealthy oil baron but she realizes she wants fame as much or more than fortune so i don't know what the hook is wait she's guaranteed money with this guy but she's gonna choose to live a poor life on the in pursuit of fame that's crazy because usually fame and fortune are the same thing yeah would you rather be famous or have money i would 100 percent i'd rather have money um, you know, money comes with a lot more personal security. Yes, that's how I feel. I just don't think... I mean, I know that you can be famous and yeah. rich, but I think... I resent it, the choice, but I'd pick the money. Yeah, I also feel like you can't... 
usually if you're very rich you are inherently famous not always but sometimes like if you're at least in the public that's, eye that's a choice yeah that's true that's more of a choice you can be kind of more quietly wealthy but, but it's also i think hard well no it's not hard to be famous but it's hard to be famous and be visibly poor right <laughs> yeah famous you may not be as wealthy as you pretend to be yes i think that's what it is it's i mean you can be notorious which is a little bit different than famous like a murderer. Yeah, you didn't offer me that as an option. Right. I changed my answer. You want to be a murderer? No, it's still money. <laughs> you, want, you just want to be notorious for doing something? I want you to know something. that it's still money. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess, like, you'd be famous in that, and, like, your YouTube video could go viral and you could not make any money off of that, but... The the only reason I'm, like, I'd even seek fame is for money. Yeah, I think that's... To afford yes. the security. And, right, exactly. I think and then go same. away. Yeah, like, I would want to be well-known in my field. I just wouldn't want to... The field of Riverdale podcasting. So we've already achieved this. I yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's We're why... we yeah. We pick money because we've already clearly succeeded in our chosen field. Right, and then Riverdale. with more money, we'd be able to pay for the the hosting of this podcast. Exactly. Because we you, don't have any sponsors. You think about that, guys. Anyway, John, who wrote this episode? Thank you for asking. This episode was written by Greg Murray. So to say at the same time, I thought that was mean and obnoxious and taking something away from you. So please go. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Greg is an executive story editor who's been on the show since season two. Last season, they wrote the episodes Mr. Cypher. I loved that episode. It was with Mr. Cypher. That's the one with Lucifer. Lou Cypher. And they wrote American Psychos. And that was the one where they reenacted the American Psycho musical. That of all people I should like love, did not see it. I don't know how. I did not really care for the I music. I barely remember it. Yeah, they they went to the serial killer convention. Oh right, no, they hosted the serial killer convention. Right. Yeah. This was such an insane show. That was a very weird one. Yeah. This episode was directed by Jeff Wolnoff. You know what, John? I'm not gonna guess who directed in season three, then hadn't been back until last season. Uh, He directed Mr. Cypher. Mr. Cypher. That's the one with with Lou Cypher. And In the Fog. The one with the mist. (laughs) That's right, the one with the mist. Also has directed recently some episodes of The Expanse and Sabrina. Is that still on, The Expanse? No, The Expanse ended with an abbreviated sixth season on Amazon, but it reached a point in the books that it was based off of where if they continued, it would have been a massive time jump in a different show anyway. Okay. So it was a good place to stop and leave things open-ended enough where if anyone wants to come in and tell those stories later... They can do it. They can do that. Dope. It's a pretty good show. Yeah, I know. I've heard. I watched you and watch it. This doesn't seem like the kind of story that we can... I mean, we could split them up in different orders, but because... Veronica and Jughead are essentially playing us having a discussion about the stories. We should kind of just go straight through. I agree. Let's just do it the way in the same order. So we got our the homeroom of horrors. Uh, The patriarchy meets to decide what to be on the wrong side of history about this week. Right. They really. I, I thought that they and they maybe did hint at this. Very hard to tell. Do you think that they were implying that they killed Ethel's parents? I don't think that they were. No, I think they just want it to go away. Right. Because they don't care about Ethel. Right. <laughs> like, just yeah. like, shut up. No, you killed your parents. Done. Come on. It's kind of weird because like there is a murderer then. If it's not any of those guys, it's not the three of them who mm-hmm. all look exactly the same, then I swear those two guys, I really thought they were the same guy. 
Not Cliff, because I know him. It's weird that now we're getting the Legion of Doom. Yes. You know? And it's like every patriarchal male figure who's been a villain in the show, except Hiram. Oh, right. I was like, who? Right. And like, never, more than ever, like... Now more than ever. Why? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Hiram. Yeah. Well, it's funny, because now he's just being an actor in Hollywood. He's on the television. Not oh, Meha, it's a hit. <laughs> Not harming anybody. Meanwhile, Cliff Blossom is a mayor who's controlling the culture of the town. And the- <laughs> you know what I realized? They actually, like, it, it wasn't a choice. I just realized this. They, they couldn't get Hiram this season mm-hmm. because Ryan Seacrest was leaving. Right. So. Well, isn't that's just starting now, though. Yeah, but I'm sure. And they've was- been shooting for a while. No, but I'm sure it was in the works for a minute. Don't you think? Sure, maybe, yeah. He yeah. probably could have done, done some planning from Zoom in a distance, but I bet he yeah. couldn't have been a series regular, and it's just they blew their wad. They wasted him <laughs> while they had him, and now they don't have him, and they're coming with better ideas that could use him. I kind of like Cliff because he feels more 50s sinister. It's true, yeah. You know? The whole casting of Mark as Hiram is like, this guy is dangerous in the present day. Yeah. He looks like that. Versus, yeah, Hiram, or Cliff looks like that kind of 50s nefarious of like, this is technically a weak man, but he's just been elevated so high by culture. That's a good way to put it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have Mark and Swillis abs, but does have a fierce head of hair. Right, exactly. So. But also does not have that either. Right. Well, right. Not technically. Just to be clear. It's there. Is it his? Is the other question. <laughs> yeah. He, he owns it. Yeah. He owns it. Yes. I physically have it. Well, they decided to be wrong about comic books. They're saying the violent comic books are influencing the children. Sure. And that's why Ethel's parents are dead. <laughs> Though the children probably did not do that. Yeah. Just saying. And meanwhile, Jughead goes to the FBI field office. I mean, sorry, Mr. Fieldstone's office. Oh, hey! Weird. Wow. Okay, that's intentional, clearly. Uh, Mr. Fieldstone Mr. Fieldstone says that his whole team is out sick and he could use some help. Okay, this is how it works, actually. Yeah, Famously, yeah, yeah. it is how it works. I, this, this was how it worked. It's there wild. was a point in time, listeners, where this is how you got <laughs> jobs. You just showed up. Remember you like- just would walk into a place <laughs> and then be like, of course we need help, untested person. I'll pay you minimum wage, teenager, to work here. Do you think it's just that, like, like not everybody wanted to write comic books or something? Like, I don't understand it totally. I mean, let's assume not everyone had a local comic book publisher in there. Right, that town. is true. That was pretty Highly rare. specific. Yes. Yeah, that's a little bit weirder. At that time, when Marvel comics would release storylines where sometimes they would meet Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and the other creators... They'd have, like, Doctor Doom break into their office in New York. And the, so the vibe that it gave off was that these were a bunch of guys in their 20s who just happened to be able to put together a publishing deal or a printing deal while cranking out this stuff. So, and it wasn't, like, an industry yet. So they, like, wrote stories in which these superheroes would interact with the people writing the comics? Sometimes, yes. But that's not the huh, point I want to really make. That's really meta. The yeah. point I want to make is that this was kind of an era in comic book publishing where just small offices would sprout up and do that and yeah it's not like they're posting jobs i mean they maybe they post jobs in the newspaper but somebody find them 
God. Like, those kinds of things happen just because I feel like a group of people know each other at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you think about Marvel now, you think about the movies owned by Disney, owned by, you know, huge corporations. Right. But even, you know, even before, I mean, we had Spider-Man as a movie, but and we had the Hulk, I guess, but we didn't really have, like, the MCU. Like, that's fairly recent as is. Think about Superman. Where in general. In, within our lifetimes, there was a huge legal deal over the oh, ownership of yes. Superman. Because he was created by, do you know the names of the guys who created Superman? I don't think so, but if you said them, maybe. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> two, uh, two Jewish immigrants. Oh, interesting. Created Superman and then ended up selling him to whatever DC Comics was back then for, like, chump change, and then, you know, Superman becomes... Oh my god, that would suck. Right. And so, like, years later, the estate kind of sued and got it so that every time Superman's credited in something, it's, like, courtesy of the Siegel and Schuster estate. Oh, good, okay. So they made money. In the end, but a-, a pittance compared to what would have been made. Oh, that would kill me. Yeah. That would be really shitty. Not that that really has a lot to do with... It's interesting! Jughead, Jughead could find himself in a position where he could create this comic book, Home of Horrors, that could become a hit for Fieldstone, and Fieldstone could be like, well... Your name's barely on it, but he does give his name on it at the end. Yeah, in the back. Or what is it? On the The byline? Yeah. Oh, that's another thing, is that a lot of comic book people back in the day did have those, like, in... uh, Or italicized or in quotations nickname that they throw on stuff to make them seem cooler or hipper or whatever. So Jughead wasn't good enough Jughead Jugular Jones. Yeah. It's uh, cute. Yeah. It works. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Do you know where your jugular vein is? Is it in your neck? In the neck. Okay, cool. Because there's the other one that it's like... It's like the famous one that yeah, if, you if, you if it bled it, out of there, it's the fastest. Yeah. I don't know that for any weird reason, so... Right. Only because of that body in your closet. Right, just because of that. Well, they don't have any blood in them, though. Previously, jugular vein. You get it. Yeah. It, it all works out. Glad I asked, though. <laughs> so Fieldstone needs a whole issue of four short seven-page stories. Just nice. I do like older comic books like that. It's fun. It's a fun story. They'd all be full of like shorter things, and now each one is like, you have to have read the last three to understand what's going on in this one. I'm like, that came out months ago. I like an anthology. When Jughead realizes there are no original stories anymore, he comes up with a pitch. What about sexy teen murder? Oh my god. Huh? I love it. (laughs) I love it. Right up your alley. It was like it was made for me. I think that's why I really love this episode. This is like one of my favorites of the season. Straight up. So Veronica swings by Jughead's train car. She's like trying to fuck. She's like that's up. what this is. Like it's very obvious. He's like, hey, I'm horny. What are we doing tonight? And he's like, I am writing comic books. I already picked up a storyline. Is he like writing? This is my question. At first, it seemed like he was reading them to her, but it seems like he's actually writing it them. He is. It sounds like in front of her. Which you know the uh, the experience of watching in the audience, you get to hear the finished story. But imagine being Veronica, <laughs> as this boy is just hold on no and he's like ripping pages out and like rethinking yeah. things on the spot or just like he just says everywhere to hunt and peck for maybe this is why she was so pissed at the end yeah it'd be pretty exhausted that would be really annoying <laughs> she wants to see a movie ca- called diabolique so this is super weird but i was like oh i know that it was like did they mention it on riverdale they didn't mention it on riverdale but they mentioned it in the movie a simple favor which i had literally just watched the day before oh because it's a fantastic film. i've heard oh my god so good so there's a moment where anna kendrick talks to um nick young from crazy rich asians Mm -hmm. and he is i think that's not his real name no that's definitely not (laughs) so but i i like that movie um and she's like, are you trying to diabl- what is it, diablique me? 
And I was like, what is that? And it's a movie where the wife and the mistress come together to kill the husband, which is a good plan. Yeah, they think it's the perfect alibi. It's a great idea. Is that the plot of that movie? Yes. The idea is like they're teaming up, I think. Huh. I think. Well, it's just a simple favor. It's just a simple favor. That is not what... Oh, what a simple favor is about? Simple favor is about Anna Kendrick is babysitting for Blake Lively's son, and then she disappears. And then it's like, oh, do me a simple favor. Watch my kid. Oh, okay. Um, So they're doing a little bit of the Gone Girl. Yes, it's very... It's kind of like a... It's not a parody, but it's like kind of a funny version It's supposed to be a comedy? It is... Kind yeah, of. this was marketed as like a straight thriller. Yeah, it's very it's it's not a comedy comedy, but like kind of like I would say like a black comedy or a. a that kind of makes me want to watch it more. It's a great movie. It's really fun. It was not marketed right. Yeah, I don't think it was. It would be a very very hard movie to market. Mm-hmm. I think, but it's good. Highly recommend. Uh, Veronica offers to help Jughead as long as they have sex after. And she's like, <laughs> no promises. As, as long as these four stories don't turn me off completely. We're going to have a good time. That's not what happened. So. That's what leads us into keep your head in the game. I love how you're like, this is clearly from high school musical. This is clearly a high school musical <laughs> reference. Uh, the Crypt Keeper, sorry, the Key Keeper. Okay, that's not KJ Appa, is it? No, I don't think so. So the whole time I was like, is, that, you, hmm. is that KJ Appa? And really, I don't think it is. I just think it's some guy, but it like kind of looks like him for a second. And then I was like, am I just like really misreading this face? And I think I was. I think I would have known by now if it was KJ Alpa. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't it have been better if it was? I mean, I, I think I would have been thoroughly overjoyed to see KJ Alpa do that. Just a note, guys. Just so, saying. The key keeper introduces us to the Bulldogs and new Dilton. Uh, there's been three, by the way, Dilton. There's still three Diltons? Yeah. Well, new Dilton is an outcast because he wasn't a member of the original cast. Cool, that makes sense. And so Coach is making the boys throw free throws and saying that nobody gets to go home until every person scores one. And Dilton can't do it. Huh. So all the boys come around him and they say, uh, you gotta get your, get your head in the game. We gotta get our, get our, get our, get our head in the game. You gotta uh-huh. get your, get your <laughs> head in the game. We gotta get our, get our, get our, get our head in the game. Come on, get your, get your head in the game. We gotta get our, get our, get our, get our head in the game. You gotta get your get your head in the game. I'm not, you keep, we keep gotta going. get our get our get our head in the game. They did say that. Okay, <laughs> That's crazy. What in the show. Wild. <laughs> Insane. Uh, uh, and then they run out of breath. Mm, crazy. Right, and then they're all like tired in the locker room after. And that's when Julian bullies Dilton. Like, why are you here if you can't sink a basket? It's a fair question. I'm gonna right, be honest. Right. And I would go like, home. Dylan's like, the writers said I should be on the basketball team. They're like, that's good enough, Dylan. And Julian, Julian shows him to his cast trailer by subbing him in a locker. Yeah, I actually think this is like a really traumatic thing that they do a lot in movies and shows. And I'm like, that would be absolutely fucking horrible. I've only ever seen it in cartoons and like 80s stuff. Yeah, I but think like, that... <laughs> I know my high school. Look, I I went to a public high school in Long Island, and this would not fly. See, I feel like schools have mostly solved this problem by making lockers so small that no living person, especially a teenage boy, could fit inside of it. Yeah, your shoulders wouldn't even 
be able to like get the depth could of it. not be done no you can you couldn't but you know what this would still be her horrible absolutely horrific absolutely though it does seem kind of spacey in there yeah, yeah pretty spacious uh keykeeper says dilton is morbidly claustrophobic so it's a good thing he's in the biggest locker I've ever right, seen. Right, exactly. And fortunately, that didn't really He lays here. back and <laughs> calmly waits until the... No, the next morning, a janitor who isn't a narrator frees Dilton. And it turns out Nilton, Dilton uh, had a complete traumatic break. Uh, or, uh, yeah, psychotic traumatic, break? Psychotic break. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Not a good vibe. No. Uh, so he grabs an axe and heads back to the locker. He heads. He gets back into the locker. <laughs> And yeah, he yeah. does. After that psychotic break, I think that's funny. Yeah, he's like, okay. He, uh, the coach finds Dilton sinking free throw after free throw, but uh, he couldn't get the balance right with basketballs, oh. but he could with his teammates' heads. So I have a question. Yeah. Now, I'm not not trying to doubt this story in any way. This is not realistic. Well, there's like 12 basketball players that he decapitates. Yeah, and they're all like sitting heads, uh, bodies up. Yeah, so... I guess what you could do is swing at everybody with an axe, kill them, and then decapitate them. But in my mind, I was like, he's going one by one. And so, like, nobody could take him down, like, after the fourth guy was decapitated. Let's assume nobody showed up at the same time to practice. That's fair. Okay, that that makes much more sense. Yeah. He surprised them. Yeah. I still think you could take him. Like, I know the axe is a, you know, that's a... I agree. Every single one. If this guy yeah. can't land a free throw, how's he going <laughs> to hit my neck on the first try? Right, exactly. I just feel like maybe, I'm not trying to blame the victims here, um, but like I do think that they could have tried slightly harder, just a little bit, to not be decapitated. Do you want to talk about the shot of him holding Archie's head? That was pretty fun. It was good. Was I fun. think this is a great KJ episode. It is, yeah. Though he does not try to stop Dilton from being shoved in that locker. No, but he's like, you know, not even I liked the second Dilton the most. And right. then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so it was emotionally weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bummer. Uh, Veronica supports Dilton. I Much get that. like... Which, like us, we're victim blaming a bit here. Right, exactly. And uh, Jughead agrees that that's the point, that these are morality tales, that people who are cruel get punished. Yeah, and that is true, except for, I would say, in the case of the beehive one, where it's like she just wanted a nicer haircut. I don't think he really lands morality tale on any of these. Yeah. But it's also like you're a teenager writing that... Yeah, you wouldn't have a yeah, that's true. grasp on that we either. Know, yeah. Plus, like, there's a ton of folk tales from, like, eras gone that are truly deranged with no <laughs> moral center at all. No, I, yeah, yes. I mean, they say fairy tales. The fairy tales that we know are the sanitized version of, like, really fucked up fairy tales. Yeah, Disney. Yeah. I mean, I would, like, have you ever heard, like, the real, like, Little Mermaid. I've heard some stuff. Yeah, the real about Little Mermaid. About her, her tail getting like sliced open. Like, well, yeah, turning legs. forget what the. Yeah, it's like not fun. It's like not a good. No, it's not a magical good time. Yeah. Magic was like a dark and scary and like a witch sewing you to something else kind of energy back then. But. Those brothers Grimm. Yeah, Grimm. Real Grimm. I've never seen that movie. I know there was a movie, it was a show. Also. There's Grimm. Yeah. Yeah, with the guy from Million Little Things. Right. Yeah. And then Brothers Grimm. Brothers Grimm is Matt Damon? I believe so. Yeah. Weird. That movie really just... Damon and the other one. Somebody else. Not Ben Affleck, but somebody else. 
Wow, I have no idea who the other one is. They could have crossed her with Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. But oh, no. was that good? <laughs> no, it's no, fine. fine. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Riverdale? Jughead also says that people who have lustful sex get punished. And Veronica only hears the <laughs> words lustful sex. Uh, she says, tell me more, Juggykins. Anyway. No thoughts on that? I think this is a clear case of Jughead not reading the room. Yeah. And it would have been also funny if she was like getting undressed yeah. <laughs> and like Let's over do on it. the bed, like waiting Let's for him. Go, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah. Veronica is playing a different game, I think. Yeah. But he did say he has like a deadline. It's like four hour long deadline. I think, like, come on. He's in trouble. Yeah. <clears> like, <throat> let him write. Like, go away. So the next story is called Love You to Pieces. Mm. It was a dark and stormy night when Archie came to Thornhill, where he's greeted by Nana Blossom. First time I've seen her this season. Yeah. It's a good role. He tells her his car had a flat tire and he needs a place to stay before he can call a local garage in the morning. So she must do this every time there's a rainstorm, right? Because I feel like I would walk home instead of staying here otherwise. Here's a question because I can't quite remember. Was she in the chair? I don't think she was. I think she was standing. Okay. At least at the front door. Okay. So she could walk this whole goddamn time. (laughs) That's crazy. He, uh, Archie finds himself uh, checking out a painting of Cheryl as he warms himself by the fire. Nana Blossom offers her guest room to him for the night, but she has a set of rules, much like getting a gremlin. Sure. Yes. <laughs> don't must, don't feed Cheryl after you midnight. You must lock the door and stay inside all night long. Why? Her extremely <laughs> horny granddaughter roams the house at night. She's the hot girl in the painting you're looking at right now. Uh, uh, and if you don't follow my instructions, she will have incredible sex with you. Be warned. Be warned. Don't do it. Archie, no. So, yeah, unfortunately, Archie heeds that advice and then goes home safely Archie the next has day. a wonderful night's sleep. He eats breakfast the next morning and gets his car fixed. No. <laughs> he unlocks his door and hooks up with Cheryl in silhouette. I really thought it was going to be Nana Blossom. I really did. And I was like, that's so weird that they're going this way. I'm happy it wasn't. Because then that feels deeply unconsensual. This also feels, I guess, not consensual. But there's a really her. funny shot right. the next the next morning where he like comes around the corner <laughs> and he sees Cheryl from behind in like all white and a veil, like a wedding gown, and he just turns and walks the other way. <laughs> yeah, I, I was <laughs> he's like, "Ooh, no, no, thank you." Do you think that that was supposed to? Yeah, like I thought that was interesting because I thought that the idea was going to be, "Oh, now you have to marry. now you have to marry her." Yeah, yeah, which is what happened in real life, so. I guess it's not that much of a horror story. Uh, so he asks Nana, what's your granddaughter's deal? And she's <laughs> like, well, you know, we're wealthy in the past. So we sent our daughter out to like a colonist trip in the islands and she picked up leprosy. Sure. That sucks. It's super contagious, but Nana is immune because she's already fucked up. <laughs> right. It's fine. She's got enough going on. Yeah. And she, she's like, are you immune? Or she's like, no. No, what a bummer. Sexy lamp gets leprosy. Well, it's no big deal. Cheryl's dying anyway, which is why Nana, an elderly woman, uh, regularly leaves a strip of nails on the road to lure local hotties into her home in need of a phone, then leaves a painting of her hot daughter <laughs> out in view, and then uses reverse psychology to make these men leave their door open at night 
so her granddaughter doesn't have to die without having as much sex as possible. What a classic prank. <laughs> a classic Nana Cheryl mess around. <laughs> exactly. Uh, shenanigans. Shenanigans. Mm. Think about that. That's where the origin of the word came from. That's where it came from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It comes from right now and then radiates backwards. Exactly. It's crazy how that works. Well, Veronica calls that grotesque. And what is the moral? Don't have sex with Cheryl. Because uh, she'll keep you in our house forever. <laughs> and I do think that is true. It constantly occurs in this show, that yeah. exact story. Weird how that works. Duncan says it's either curiosity killed the cat or wear protection. I don't think a condom would stop you from getting leprosy somehow. I actually don't know how leprosy gets passed on, though. I agree that this episode is like cheap thrills. I'm yeah. not in, not enjoying... I am enjoying the small, twisty nature of each short story. Yeah. And I am also agreeing with Veronica that there's like, there's no depth here. No. It's just like everyone doing wacky stuff. But I don't know if there needs to be any depth for these stories. He needs to get them out in an hour. Well, I, I guess the reason the episode works at the end of the day is because the impact of these stories being written affects their relationship. Yes. And when we watched... And then Ian watched on a treadmill <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side a long time ago. Right. That episode is just simply framed as this is a bunch of short stories, but it was also framed as all of this is in canon. Right, exactly. Which was The Ghost Deer. Right. Later on we're we're the ones saying, Hey, um, you know, we still haven't talked about that heart that Cheryl left out in the locker for Oh, yeah. Right. No, no, we did, though. I think Josie Eventually, did find out. Eventually, but it like, yeah. took a while. And, a long time. Yeah, and it felt like we weren't sure how seriously we were supposed to take any of that. Was Cheryl in love with Josie? Dude, who knows? Yeah, I man. can't remember that now. I don't now. know. Huh, that was a weird time. That was, like bef- that was like before Cheryl and Tony decided to disappear into a home for two seasons. Right, yeah. And killed those people. Or that person, I guess. If they're huh. blossoms, are they people? That's a great question. I don't think so. Not in the not no. in the way that we're thinking. No, definitely not. Veronica tends to gossip with Jughead. She says, what else is there to do in high school? Boys chase girls and girls chase boys. And Jughead agrees, says he knows a lot about women. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do anything for a boy's attention. And Veronica has the line of the night. Including faking an interest in comic books. Yes, that was cute. She likes him. This is the uh, 50s version of the girl who sits on a boy's couch while he plays video games. Oh, I thought you, I thought that was a short story. I was like, and then she gets spiders? <laughs> <laughs> no. This is actually a short, uh, the short story version of like that Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Or not, I'm sorry. No, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark famous story about the girl who gets like the bite on her face and ends up being a spider talking about the beehive yes beehive let's get into the beehive the beehive betty isn't popular and we all know why ponytail it's her hair yeah it sucks <laughs> it actually like she is so gorgeous in this episode and always i'm like i'm sorry like we're not noticing the beautiful blonde woman right. in like a beautiful dress like i don't <laughs> get it Betty goes to her local drag queen and asks for a new look. I actually checked with my drag queen expert. Oh, okay. To say, do, is this a woman? Is this a queen I should know? Yes. And uh, they didn't recognize this person. Oh, okay. So I don't... Definitely a drag queen? If, I, if, if this is definitely someone in drag. Yeah. Well, are they a queen? I cannot be sure. Well, I think that 
it kind of might be a hairspray reference. Totally. That was But also, thought. like, yeah. you're telling me there aren't a list of drag queens who would be happy to be at an episode of Riverdale That's for fair. a short bit? That's fair. Come on. <clears throat> well, drag queen recommends a beehive because it's huge in Paris and you'll get so much attention. Sure. And it's the worst hairstyle I've ever seen. Do you think you could pull this look off? Absolutely not. (laughs) What makes you think that? I can barely pull off a low button. And you can't wash it. Ever. Disgusting. I mean, hairspray was just... Everywhere. I saw a good meme recently that was like... A picture of an old updo with someone using hairspray and being like, why don't we do this anymore? And then someone just responds with a link about the ozone layer. Yeah. Though they did remove, of in hairspray, they removed all of um, the spray or whatever. I think it's yeah, just... whatever it was. Yeah. I think also it's just gross, maybe. It does seem like a rat's nest. Yeah. Or a spider. Yeah. I mean, there. you know, you can, depending on your hair type, you can wash your hair less frequently, but I think if you're going to put that much stuff in it, you should be able to like, like you couldn't like have wedding hair every day of your life and then never like shampoo your hair ever or like ever take it down and like rinse it out. So it's like, she's not washing or even letting water touch her hair, but also she's putting like tons and tons and tons of stuff in it every single day i know it's crazy it's not a good day that would feel awful to touch right exactly but they love it they're obsessed with it everyone can't look away probably because she's a full foot taller that's true it's like an entire head's length on top of her head it probably would get heavy i can't imagine I mean, it's got to be entirely hollow, whatever that thing is they're putting on yeah, his head. Yeah, sure. And it seems like she's having a lot of fun wearing it. I like the ponytail, personally. Her <laughs> hairspray makes Cheryl and Veronica cough. Oh. They and are mean to her, also. They say you'll always be a ponytail princess on the inside. And then... What a weird thing to say. Right. And then the narrator says, that's the first time they ever spoke to her. <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she's stoked about that, though. I love they it. insulted them. I know. I, sometimes that's nice to be seen, though, by people. Yeah. You know, that's, that's nice. Yeah, I'll tell you, I got a lot of attention when I when I grew out my hair. See? See? Mm-hmm. No more ponytail princess for John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the more hairspray Betty uses, the more boys talk to her. Wow. Because that is famously what boys that's like. That's exactly how it is. I... Can't resist a tall hair dude. Yeah, exactly. You're like, wow. wow. Marge Simpson. Ooh. So Parisian. Such a hottie. Love it. I think people do think Marge Simpson is hot, weirdly. She's got it. There's some people. <laughs> There's some people. She's she's something. People yeah. Like. Yeah. Betty never undid her hair ever. Uh, how long has it been also by this time? Like, uh, It's been about seven pages. Mm-hmm. That's how long the short story is. She even slept in her beehive at night, and that's when the bad thing happens. That's the phrasing that Jackhead uses. The bad thing happens. It was a bad thing. 100% really bad thing. So Pop gets it. He tells Archie that Betty was always a peach. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he was so nice. Is this our first Pop appearance this season? No, we've seen him before. I think we've seen him, yeah. A hit song pops on the jukebox, and Archie takes Betty to dance. No, he, no, he says... Come on, little snake, let's rattle. Or something like that. That's so good. Come on, the dialogue is the, the, the bee's knees this season. Is it let's rattle, little... It was something I was like, I'm going to remember whatever that was. <laughs> that was weird. She suddenly stops, froths from her mouth, 
falls to the floor, has a seizure. It's a bad thing. And dies. Creepy Dr. Jr. loves her hair when he sees her. First thing in his notes. Mm. But he has to cut that hair open with a saw. That must have been so hard for him. He discovered it was full of spiders. Black Widow spiders. A Black Widow laid eggs in her hair. And when the babies hatched, they ate into her brain. I think that they would just sting you and you would die. Well, would that make for a good story? No, less so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So uh, Jughead says that beauty is only skin deep and vanity kills. Yeah, Jughead is as judgmental as ever. That, he says this to the most vain girl he's I know, ever in his I, entire life. I actually think that this was the story that did that her killed in. It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she could have been there. Yeah. This is a bad choice. Like the Dilton Doily thing, I think she was having a good time. I think she was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't like any of those people. Yeah, his mistake was putting women in them at all. Yeah. I do think that her argument, though, that like you're you treated women badly is very unfair. But we'll, we'll get there. It's not like women are the villains of 100% of the stories. Well, it's also... I don't think that anything... Like, in Betty's story... Everyone's so arch in this. Right. But I don't think Betty is, like, stupidly vain. I think she's like, wow, I really want people to notice Plus me. Plus, she's the victim, right? Yeah, she's totally the victim. Yeah. And then in the last story, Archie is the problem. Is it weird that I'm, like, the beehive story? My, my thought is, why not bees? Why yeah, spiders? I thought, I thought that too, but I guess they were like, how... How would that work? Yeah. I don't know. Just write it. It doesn't... Jughead's writing it. It's not real. That the bees... Maybe it could have been like the bees were so thinking that she looked like they were high. Right. They were actually in. that would work. Yeah. Yeah. And she could be allergic to bees and then it could be like, oh, she had like a bee... You know, she could get like bee stung and that would be a fun thing too. Like yeah. her face could be all blown up. Right. That actually could work quite well. Veronica had to listen to Jughead say the candidate kills... <laughs> And he's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Never heard that in my life. Listen, you got one more story before <laughs> I either leave or get in the bed. And you better put <laughs> me in it because I'm pretty and here with you right now. Yeah. And then this, I think, does insult her a little bit. But yeah. I'm not really sure why. Well, Jughead has an original idea. A love triangle where the girls come out on top. Yeah. So this is feminism. I thought this was quite feminist. <laughs> uh, my better half. Archie can't make decisions. That's famously true. Like yes. with dating. The girl next door or the starlit socialite. Yeah. <clears throat> on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, Archie takes Betty out. And on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, he takes Veronica out. And sometimes he collapses from exhaustion, but he can just <laughs> chug coffee to keep going until he sleeps all day Sunday. It's a great idea. That's a yeah. fun plan. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a secret, by the way. This is the setup of Archie Comics. <laughs> it's been that way for decades. So, I don't know why he's so tired. Because, like, are his dates that long? Like, Right. It's like, how intense are these dates? Right. You're telling me you're awake during all of school? I don't believe that. Right. No, absolutely not. You're not <laughs> doing homework. So, it's not like you're going on a date and like, going home and, like, working super hard. Also, these dates seems like you're just kind of going to pops. Right. Exactly. I'm like, you do need to you eat. <laughs> kind of dumb like Friday and Saturday you can go like to a movie I think you might actually have a blood sugar issue that you should see a doctor about yeah and the coffee is not helping no he's really just powering your colon must be a nightmare yeah 
And I like how he has like a special little thermos though that he carries around. And it, I, I had to keep reminding myself, I don't even have cold brew. That's just hot oh, coffee. Oh, just yeah. That's, That's got to be pretty bitter after a while. I think iced coffee was like a relatively new invention, honestly. Yeah. Which is like crazy to think Putting about. Putting ice in coffee. Yeah, it's like why did it take so long? Did you have you heard about how the americano was invented in World War Two? No. What is an americano? So, I'm not a coffee drinker. So an americano or an iced americano is what I kind of know is an espresso shot poured into a, a regular water glass and then filled the rest of the way up with water. So it's basically just oh, like okay. so, cut with water and you do it with like ice water. Ice, A nice Americano is like cups almost full of ice when you put the espresso okay. in and fill yeah, the yeah. rest of water. And that's just Americans just watering down Italian espresso during World War II so made the Americano. So what's regular coffee then if that's not regular coffee? Well, it's just espresso beans and the the making of a glass of a cup of espresso is very different than so it's more tightly packed more concentrated than regular coffee question. but all of coffee is just water and coffee beans it's the same beans it's there's no espresso beans versus coffee beans i don't i'm actually not sure i'm not sure either i think they are different yeah sound off in the comments yeah, let <laughs> so. us know betty and veronica each ask archie why they aren't enough individually he tells each of them that they're just so different but the secret is, you're my favorite. Oh, uh, that's clever. It's good. Yeah. yeah. And Julian asks how Archie does it. And he tells all the boys. <laughs> coffee. You, <laughs> you just keep chugging that coffee and you'll have the energy to figure it out. No, you tell them what they want to hear. That yes, I'm seeing other girls, but I'm only serious about you. That's smart. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to take this yeah. into my dating life. What a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely works out. If you just tell them they're your favorite, they'll stay. Okay. Yeah. And then the key keeper warns that Valentine's Day will soon be on a Sunday. <gasps> His only free day. I would just be like, I am napping. You guys are exhausting. Remember? That's a whole thing. This feels like, I know. Listen, I know we don't record and then they write the next episode sure but can we talk about the fact that okay we're gonna get there in a second okay i'm I'm excited it's galentine's day love it cheryl asks betty and veronica for their plans for the next day and the girls are fighting the girl the girls are fighting (laughs) and cheryl points out that they're being played which they are and they are and they call archie a rat fink and also she is in the game as well but they don't know that right and then the girls tell Archie to choose permanently. And he says neither of them can be his date on Valentine's Day. And this isn't me continuing a bit I've done before. <laughs> this is in the script of the episode. He's taking his mom. I know. I did think that was great. He is taking his mom. <laughs> he's really, he's, I got to go with him, my mom. It's weird, it's but the it's... first year without dad. Yeah, the fact that he's playing his dead dad card here. Up. He's that a is... bad Archie. Yeah, this no. He is mm, bad. But don't also trust him. much closer to the comic book Archie. Yeah, but, you know. Pre-reboot. The key keeper tells us the girls decide to go out on a Valentine's date together instead. Which, Chuck, if that were the end of the story, Veronica would have stayed the night. Right, exactly, yes. (laughs) But you had to keep going. (laughs) Uh, uh, They see Archie enter with Cheryl. Ratfink. Ratfink. I did like that. We're going to start using that now. Ratfink. Betty stops Veronica from going off. So they're friends. It's cute. They're they're cool now. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, find Archie at school and tell him they've reflected. And what if the thruple finally happened? I've been waiting. Why would they do this to me? Yeah, it's fucked up, actually. They suggest they meet in shop class after hours because it's soundproof. 
And also they have that set. And uh, horny 50s Archie is like, hell yeah. This can't possibly go wrong. So the girls speak in unison for most of the rest of the scene. I liked it. Come Archie, join us. Uh, they got a Live rose the petal, strewn, sex bed. Sex bed. They, they give him his coffee. I'm like, you're going to need this. Uh, he goes it down, goes to the bathroom, poops for a little bit. Right, I was going to say. Shakes <laughs> his head to cartoon sound effects and blacks out. <laughs> uh, and when he wakes up, he is strapped to a table. Yeah. I had thoughts about how they did this, but anyway. So, like, earlier, Veronica makes a comment about Betty using sleeping pills from her mom. Mm, and Betty yes. used those same sleeping pills to knock Archie out. Well, I have a, well, we'll get there. I'll tell you what I would have done. Oh, oh, you've, you've thought about this? Well, I wouldn't do this, but if I had to do this, I would do it differently. Right. Uh, they turn on a shop saw and say they just want to double our fun. And the way KJ screams in this moment yeah. should be iconic. Everyone's having a lot of fun. Veronica and Betty finally both get to date Archie at the same time. Veronica with him from the waist up and Betty with the waist down which doesn't seem like a fair deal that's what i thought unless that penis is incredible <laughs> you can't do that that is not consensual i think that no of course not <laughs> i think that that whole thing i like they should have split him literally down the middle like like uh you know cleaved in half not not waist bottoms that would have made a lot more sense but i think it would have been harder to get a mannequin that looked that way it's too bad we don't have like 50s sci-fi on the table because if it was like yeah. a thing of like two lab girls cloning archie instead or even just splitting him in half and he's still alive yeah or something yeah. or moving because this just seems like oh you guys just had a psychotic break but like betty loses i don't know yeah betty definitely loses <laughs> she's like holding a leg yeah like exactly. on set like what do i do with this i need to be very good that they none of them win there are no winners in this in this story this would have been a funny story by the way if if ethel wasn't in jail right or sisters quite mercy right if this was instead an episode dedicated to the two of them Writing and drawing comic books together, that probably would have been really cute. That would have been cute. Poor Ethel. Jacket does not really want to spend the time with her. I don't want her in storylines. <laughs> I wonder if she's committed elsewhere. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Shannon? Who's yeah. to say? Yeah, maybe. Interesting. Netflix likes her. Yeah. Veronica has opinions. <laughs> and I don't think any of them are fair. I'm going to be honest here. Mm. I don't think yeah so she's basically like why did you make the women so terrible and i was like i don't think he did in any way i think i mean in fact he empowered women yeah, a great deal in the story yeah i don't really understand her argument here and i'm not really sure why she's so mad at him other than that she's sexually frustrated with him yeah. which i think is what it is probably yeah he's like the boys are bad too Clearly. And she says that means he's admitting that he's demonizing women but if everyone is a demon in the story, then... Well, but it's also like, are you saying it's the way he demonizes the women? Like, it is deeply unclear. Well, okay, so let's just go through these really quickly. Because, okay, the first, the first I know, one... Weirdly, I can't retain all four in my head. I know, me too. I was like, now that we've talked about them, I can remember them. But it, yeah, I missed one every single time I was no. thinking about it. So the first one is Dalton doesn't even have women. Not a single woman in it. No, not a God single forbid. woman. God forbid. The second story with Cheryl, I could see why that would be a little bit icky, but it's kind of not that big of a deal to me. I think it's, I don't think it really makes, like, 
I don't think it makes a statement about women. The third one, Betty is not particularly even that vain. I think she's just sad that she's not noticed. Like, it's not like this is the vainest girl in school and she has to be prettier than every single other girl. It's like literally nobody talks to this girl. She just wanted to stand out for like one moment. She got a little carried away. That's like the kind of thing where if I write that for a female character, I'm worried that I'm being reductive. Yeah, I don't... But I also feel that way as a boy sometimes. It's like, yeah, it would be nice to be so good looking that you draw attention. Yeah, I don't think it's reductive at all unless it was like, she is so stupid and so vain all she wants to do is be pretty, which is not what the It could have been worse. Is. They could have done the classic like movie thing of like, and she can't wear heels, you know? Yeah. Of, like the, once she gets radiated, she becomes hot. Yeah, exactly. Energy. There's definitely like a lot of like worse stories you could tell for women. And the last one, yeah. I don't. I think Archie all of this, is the rat fink. All of this is better for women than the movie Grease. Yes, that's fair. But I love Grease, and I actually don't think Grease is that bad Grease for women. Is the word. Grease is the word. Yes, I, I. You know, I'm a huge Grease fan. I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, huge Grease fan. Like ever since I feel a like child. you would associate. Would, would would. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, associate? No. Uh, identify with Sandra D. Oh, really? Yeah. Thanks. I think I'm not sure. I did I tell you that when I was a kid, I didn't realize that she was the same woman in the leather as she was in the rest. You of the just film. thought a different woman showed up at I, the end, I, and I, he was happy. Yes, that's literally what I thought. <laughs> I genuinely was like, at the end of the movie, they realize it's not going to work out, and he meets someone who's a better fit and who wears leather. That's kind of a better take. I <laughs> like that's kind of a better message than the truth of the film right that everybody well I, that okay. she changes everything to be his dream girl so here's my argument for that so i used to think that way a lot but then i did a deeper reading into greece my favorite film not my favorite but very up there if you listen to the words of right. it, sorry it's rarely up there because your favorite is greece too right of course <laughs> obviously michelle pfeiffer is an icon but so if you think about so throughout the movie they're both changing kind of for each other a little bit she, however, is really standing for her morals the whole time. She, like, throws a milkshake on him when he's inappropriate. Like, she really calls him out. He tries to go join the track team. He, like, gets a whole, like, new jockey look for a moment. He really isn't... She, she is always standing up for herself in every single way. And then at the end, yes, she puts on the leather jacket and, like, looks good and does smoke, but that wasn't that big of a deal back then. Um, but... The song is basically like to him, like you better shape up because I need a man and my heart is set on you. So it's kind of like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm gonna do this for you, but you need to be better for me. Exactly. So huh. I, I guess the lyrics never quite radi- registered right. with me that much. I've always been bad with picking up on lyrics, though. Well, if you if you watch the scene, like she's also a lot more forceful. She's not submissive in any way. So I think that there is like a. It does seem like... It's still like, like a huge transformation for it is. one night. She and, looks great. And then, and then the car flies at the end. Right. It's a great film. And then their love makes a car fly. Also, apparently, like, Grease is supposed to be, like, a pure parody of the 50s and not... And, like, what we interpreted it And that's now. why they hired 30-year-olds as teenagers? Yeah, apparently it's supposed to be, like, more of a parody than we think it is watching huh. it, which is funny. Right, because the, the, the oddity is that that has obviously stood the test of time a lot better than any 50s movie i know so it's that was it 70s or 80s 80s right 
I think so. No, I think mm, I want to say eighties. Yeah, because like, what's the thirty-year cycle? Is like all the stuff comes back around. Yeah, and they're doing the Rise of the Pink Ladies, which I've not watched yet. I probably will. I I I am I haven't watched that one, but it's really the principle of the matter, where it's the same deal that I keep my my constant prequel thing of like, oh yeah, the you're t- so the you're telling me before Greece the. Pink ladies were more diverse. Right, that is weird. Oh, it is definitely a prequel. What a fun idea! Why not? Again, I'm a Cobra Kai fan. Why not do a modern day Rise of the Pink Ladies? Like in the like in today. Interesting. That resurfaces in some way, but like also like what do the Pink Ladies mean to pop culture? Right. We've all, it's not like this is a recurring thing. There's only ever been the Pink Ladies and Mean Girls. I don't. Like, oh, oh no. The Pink Ladies. There's not like there's been generations. It's just Sand or no? What's her name? Uh, not Sandra D. Uh, Rizzo. Rizzo. Rizzo and the rest. Yeah, I'm curious. I haven't watched it, so I'm curious if those characters are the Pink Ladies. No, I think it's all new girls who presumably started and then started the Pink Ladies. Years later, these other girls are Pink Ladies. Not that the pink ladies go through a fundamental change in be, Greece. Right. Why are we making this show? I'm going to give it a chance because I like, I like Greece, But I'll let you know if it ends up being a thing. It's sure. not top of my list right now, but I'm going to probably watch it. It's not like I'm... I'm not... Because like I also did not watch A League of Their Own. And I feel oh, like... Oh, yeah, I have to watch that these, too. These shows are being made for a very similar audience, but I'm not really sure about... Oh, and this one's a musical, right? I think so. That's kind of what I'm excited yeah, about. That one wasn't yeah. a musical. This one's a musical. Not a lot of musical TV shows. I'll give you that. Yeah. You know, can't be crazy like a girlfriend. That's all I'm I saying. know. <laughs> nothing will be, and nothing ever will be. We didn't finish the episode. What was it? Oh, dude. <laughs> sorry. There's one more weird thing about existing IP. I heard the yeah. most insane news story that they're going to make an R-rated cartoon about Christopher Robin and yeah, so what happened? Pooh Bear. And I'm yeah. just like, so nobody understands why Harley Quinn works as an R-rated show. And from and it sounds like Velma not was pitched as one thing and then attached to Scooby Doo characters. Yes. And then the internet got mad because it didn't accurately represent Scooby Doo characters that it wasn't created to do in the first place. And now they're gonna just do the same thing. Who cares about Pooh Bear? But now I care about this because this feels wrong. Well, so okay, so this is what I think the issue is that there is um like a time period where things go into the public domain so there was like a winnie the pooh horror movie that came out recently that i haven't seen and i love winnie the pooh so i'm not gonna watch it they're trying to get out in front of it by making their own or no i think christopher robin is not a disney thing i think it's just like i think what i think and don't quote me on this is i believe these things went into public domain yeah so people are just grabbing onto free ip Totally. Which is like a cash grab, totally. you know. I just, I don't want to watch like Winnie the Pooh be murdery. Hey, hey, just because it's free doesn't mean you have a good idea. Right. And also sometimes IP is not the best choice in general. Like, right. I don't know. Have we ever talked about um, the Dick Tracy IP? Yes, because we, because he um, is very protective of over it. And yeah, like he's done now two interviews yes. in character as dick tracy and only to exist to extend the rights to himself warren buffett so that it's crazy so that he can no not warren buffett well and, um no not warren buffett the other one the other guy the one who played howard hughes in that movie is it warren buffett warren Beatty. Well, yes thank warren you warren Beatty. 
uh, made the 1990 Dick Tracy movie that only existed because the 1989 ba Batman movie was a huge success. And they were like, this means not people like comic books, people like pulp detectives. Right, of course. Detective stories. Uh-huh. Sure. And it's like the most bad shit movie. And now this guy is like, and I'm going to make another one. And it's 2023. He is almost 100 years old. Any day now it's going to happen, though. <laughs> he you know? just keeps doing these interviews with Leonard Balton to be like, I'm Dick Tracy. It's very can you, strange. Can you, it's going to be a great movie when I make it. It's very strange. Whatever it's going to be. Maybe it's a show. Who knows? And uh, audience, I have a pitch for a Dick Tracy show. But I think <laughs> it's a good idea. Good yeah. <laughs> it seems like you're going to have to wait until that guy dies. I know. I might have to. And, and you know what? Who knows how long it will be before that's yeah. in the public domain and I can do that one. Yeah. I don't know how it works when somebody dies, but yeah. I believe if a person dies, anyone can use their likeness. Interesting. But that's not, not, the, but oh. that's not what Dick Tracy is. Right. Not a character. Likeness. So that's interesting. I'm going to look that up after, yeah. though. And then we'll go <laughs> kill a porn puppet. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll be the wrong person. And so that'll be really and nothing could stop us. <laughs> exactly. That was a joke for legal reasons. Right. Just in case something weird happens. Right. Our lawyer suggested. Stella's our lawyer. <laughs> Stella. She's so smart. So uh, Veronica splits. Jughead yeah. asking if they are not copacetic anymore. I did not know what that word meant, but. It's a fun word to say. Sure. And it appears we are no longer considering Vughead. <sighs> Bummer. Really, really yeah. feels like a slap in the face. Yeah. The patriarchy puts out a front page news story decrying comic books, and then they pat themselves on the back. We did great. Yay! Fieldstone loves Jughead's work, and Jug tells the man about his girl trouble after she saw what he was quote-unquote saying. Yeah. Fieldstone doesn't understand what that means. But <laughs> he lives here in a comic book store. Or, sorry, comic book publishing right, office. Right, of course. Yes. Uh, how about this? Your name gets printed on the byline in the issue as Jughead Jugular Jones. People are going to take notice. Mm -hmm. Twitch, Jughead narrates how prophetic that statement would be. So is he going to get arrested? It's going to be the patriarchy is going to moral, moral, moral justice him. Yeah. Moral panic this whole situation. We're up. doing great. I love it. That was great. That was the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's going to be hard to do superlatives because everyone's like not in character. Right, right. But Jughead gets uh, Best Boy in Riverdale. Well, what was your fave? My favorite mine. of the four? Yeah. Oh, um, I think, oof, hmm. Kind of like the first one. Yeah. Yeah, the Dilton Doily one, just because that was fun. Mm -hmm. I liked all of them, though. Yeah. The, I think the Beehive one was actually my least favorite. It's still crazy. I can't make them all stick in my head at I the know. same time. No, I completely get it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the leprosy one is the one that I have the hardest time keeping in my brain. Yeah, I know, same. And I think it's the grossest, potentially. And it's also, like, the one where you kind of know what's going to happen. You're just kind of waiting for the last thing. Well, you're waiting to see the what of it. You right. know that something is wrong. Right. I thought it was going to be that she was secretly old. So I guess my, like, favorite is more about the acting performances made than it is about anything else. Which so is I, the last one? No, just, like, instead of character... I want to give it to actors. Okay. I think KJ is just very fun this week in a bunch of different he weird was. 50s Archie modes. I'll give that to KJ. He was yeah. very fun. Yeah. Dressing-wise, clothing-wise, it was still like a fun one. Yeah. As usual. Betty's was my fave. I, yeah, I think there's a the, the fun bathroom scene with Betty, Cheryl, and Veronica. They're both wearing their colors. Yeah. And it's very vibrant, and it's a good time. What is Veronica's color? Black? 
It's like black and purple. Yeah. It's purple as well. Yeah. Yeah. Purple. It's like a deep, dark purple. Yeah. For sure. Except for that one time when she looked insane when it was uh, (laughs) black. Oh, yeah. That was weird. She was a black widow. That was a weird... So many things I forgot happened. (laughs) And those were recent. Yeah. I don't really have like a best boy or best girl. You know, just best performance. Yeah. Who's back? Creepy Doctor Jr. is back this week. That is exciting. Anyone else special who's coming back who we haven't seen in a while? Mm, no, no, because no, no. Nana, Nana was back. Oh, Nana was back. Nana yes. and Doctor Creepy Doctor Junior. I don't know if I thought that they were going to do something different with Creepy Doctor Junior in the no. past, but he's just kind of doing the same thing he's always been. But they clearly like this guy. And also, it's like a time loop—not a time loop, but like I feel like he's a. I know anytime. it's just one of those things where I'm like, but there was a Creepy Doctor Senior. There and, was. And if they could get him back, I would get the impulse to put him, to, to slot him back in there. Yeah, maybe one day. Family business. Maybe. Or I guess that guy found another job or something. Yeah. Or they just sure. decided they wanted to work with the son character oh, more. Maybe. Which I guess takes us to the rumor mill. Um, I really don't have that much because this is a kind of. Yeah, close... Jughead and Veronica broke up and the police or whatever are going to be moral panicking jughead yeah but we kind of already saw that with the comics so i'm curious if it's just going to be an attack on the comics itself as opposed to oh we're blaming the comics for ethel's murder specifically i think they're trying to sanitize riverdale none of this is getting to the question of who killed ethel's parents but also audience does anyone care who killed ethel's parents yeah is it hard to care about any of this when you're like are we gonna stay in this timeline forever or does none of this matter those people are already dead it's interesting to think about because i'm not itching to go back to the real riverdale and i'm wondering when we do that i would like to stay in here for like another 10 episodes yes I am greatly enjoying the character work of this season. Mm-hmm. If you're going to insist on having a central mystery, I would I would like to understand it a little bit better. I think that's very fair. Yeah, I it's think we will. It's been incredibly off screen. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to feel like this is an important thing in our characters' lives, especially when none of our characters are taking the time to interact with the emotional center of the crime that's been committed ethel yeah where's ethel guys what the hell no one's even trying to rescue her from the sisters of quiet murphy which is hilarious didn't like polly but this is rude but they did try to save polly yeah so when you think about it that way she had those kids off screen too i had them betty (laughs) where are the twins i've had them betty okay cool amazing did you write down what's next week next time uh the episode is titled peep show Fun. Could the teens be any hornier? I thought they were pretty horny in that episode where they were horny. There's shots next week of just like Betty and Archie <gasps> staring across the windows, undressing and watching each other. That's really weird. That's a weird thing to do. Please don't do that, guys. That's so strange. I don't know. Something really awkward about that. I am going to watch the trailer, but... What are you watching now? So I w- it took me like literally a full week to watch Yellow Jackets because I had to wait for Ian and then I watched half of it, and then Ian was like, I'm really tired, can we go to sleep? And I was like, sure, I'm a good wife. Then we started the next day. You're Juliana Margulies. Exactly. I'm, I'm such a good wife. I'm a good doctor. I'm a good wife. I'm a good podcaster coming to soon to CBS. Hmm. But yeah, so then so we watched it. I was like, then we started the next half of it on Paramount Plus, and it was 
all fucked up and it wasn't working. So like we just finished Yellow Jackets yesterday. And then I found out that they're skipping this week's episode of Yellow Jackets. There's not going to be a new one this week? There's not going to be a new one this week. So of all of that work that I put in, there's no new Yellow Jackets this week. So, so yeah. What do you think? Um, I love it. I think it's great. I think that the friend Javi is referring to is Ty in the woods. That's the she? Yes. Maybe. I think that's what it is. What are you watching? Have you heard about the show Mrs. Davis? Yes, I want to watch it, but I have not. It is shaggy. And by that, I mean tonally. I can see it being challenging because it's yeah. like it's taking itself very seriously while also being extremely goofy on purpose. Okay. So the show is essentially what it feels like to be me, an Android phone user, compared oh. with all iPhone users, where everyone's like, the AI that we talked to is great. Nun, Betty Gilpin. <laughs> right, and since you're a nun, I think you can relate. you got to get in on this. Yes. Yeah, especially because of my devotion to God. Right. And Betty Gilpin uh, is not having it, doesn't want to speak to the robot. And cool. like, the robot ends up like, like oh, uh, a nun who's on her bus trip where they're going to sell jam is like, you know what I could really go for? Some shave ice. I really love mango shave ice. And they see advertisements for mango shave ice. That's so weird. And and then and it's like, we can't afford that. We're not supposed to spend the money. And then the next ad is free mango shave ice. And you're like, this machine understood <laughs> this woman so algorithmically that they knew that those two things in that exact order and that timing would lead them to pull over so that the guy selling the shave ice couldn't talk to Nun Betty Gilpin and be like, hey, she really wants to talk to you. That's so weird. <laughs> and, so it's and, like... And, this, and you know you know what the, the actual setup is, is that the AI wants her to find the Holy Grail. Oh, that's definitely not what I thought that would be about. Mm-hmm. That's interesting It's and really weird. weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun, though. Yeah. I'm really interested. It seems like their budget is huge. I can't imagine it's going to be a very big audience on Peacock. It's a Damon it's... Lindelof, right? Yes. Yeah. But they David Lindelof playing in a much goofier space than the he has in the past. And the leftovers. Yeah. yeah. And it's got... Who's that guy? That's going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you'll know which guy it is. The guy from TV. Um, the guy from TV. The okay. Guy, the guy from Limitless on TV. Oh, that guy. Yes, the guy who's also on Greek. What is his name? So, Ma- Jake McDornan. Wait, can I see a photo? Yeah. Okay, so I actually met him once, and by meet him, I was very drunk outside of a bar when I was like 20 years old in LA, and I ran up to him. And That's I was, his vibe. Yeah. I was like, you're on that show Greek, and that was when I did not know how to talk to celebrities. So, sorry, I, Jake. Yeah, he's, he shows up in this with like an incredible handlebar mustache, and I think he's like a pretty good actor. I think he's entertaining. Yeah, he yeah. is good. But I also think he's at the exact level he should be. I don't need this guy to be a movie <laughs> star. I just need him popping no up on TV though. shows. This is the end of the road, Jake. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Well, I really have to pee. Great. I'm going to get food at Spitz. <gasps> so fun. Yeah. Okay. We can cut that out. What? Spitz or the pee? The pee. John, oh. <laughs> you can keep the Spitz I don't know. In. Now I kind of want to keep it all. You can keep it in. I mean, people can know about that, I guess. But anyway. Is it okay if the audience knows that you urinate? I think so. I just re- I drank like a 65-ounce beverage, and I think that's why. And you were proud of it. You wanted me to drink some I of the know. same beverage. Exactly. It was really nice. It was not poisoned. You're welcome. Think about it. I guess we'll be recording remotely next time? I guess so. Yeah. Over and out, River Vixens.